am Dee Dee Jones, and I have the honor and the privilege, and it is the biggest honor ever to be the pastor of Crosswalk, and I am so glad to be with you today. If you are visiting, we don't mind how you worship. You worship however you feel led to worship. There's not a standard way in here. Some of us will shout, some of us will, will leap off of here, and some of us will just sit. We don't care how you worship. All we ask you to do is worship. We are so glad that you joined us today. I am totally excited. We are in a series called United We Love. I've been telling everybody I'm excited because this is also a campaign that we will be rolling out further as we get into the year. And people go, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, what it is is it's putting hands and feet to our message of loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. We're taking it that next step. And we are putting hands and feet with it and saying, we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to act on it. We can say it a lot and we've gotten good about it, right? But now it's time to take it to the next level of what does it mean to unite together and say, you know what? All of God's people are welcome. We don't care who you are. All of God's people, there is no exception to that. Amen? There you go. Thank you. I get worried. Thank you. Thank you, Clark. So what I want to tell you today is we're going to talk about a story that is probably truly, I've said this all three weeks, but I'm not kidding. I'm so excited. I've got to preach these particular sermons because when I look back on the most life-changing sermons in my life, this is one of them. One of the stories in the Bible, when I think about life changing for me, it was this story. And I love it because it's also in the book of John and John was our writer. Like if you want to get to the brass tacks of things and really good writing, it comes from John. And so I love the fact that John is where we're reading today and we're going to start at John chapter four and we're going to start at verse five. Jesus had to go through Samaria now, I'll just stop there for a second and tell you that wasn't the thing to do. Samaria and Samarians and Jewish people, they didn't get along. They didn't co-mingle, okay? So just keep that in mind as we're reading this. He came to Samaria, to a city called Sychar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. We've heard a lot about Jacob's well. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. That's also important. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans, once again, didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, if you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't have a bucket. <laughs> I love this. Hello, I relate to this. I do this to God all the time. You don't have a bucket. And, well, the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? Oh my goodness, how many of us have done that? Who do you think you are? 
He gave this well to us and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never thirst again. The water that I give will become in those who drink in a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. So here's what I want you to know. One of the first things I want you to understand today is that Jesus speaks to everyone. You are not left out. You are no exception. God speaks to everyone. Jesus offers living water to everyone. Here's what I want you to understand. God does not have any favorites. You are his favorite. You, all of you. God is looking for the willing Jesus saw the willingness in the Samaritan woman, a Samaritan, a religious and political outsider, where at noon meant that most of the Samaritan women went to the well in the morning or in the evening because that's when they needed water. So the fact that she went at noon meant she knew that no one would be there. How many of us have done that? Like, I'm going to go over here and hide or sneak around because I don't want them to see me because of all the things going on in my life. So I go and I sneak around and Jesus just happens to show up. Little did she know she couldn't hide from Jesus. Amen. Here's what I want you to always know. You can't hide from him either. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, goodness. Are you sure about that? I promise you, you can't. She was a woman, she was an outcast, and she was a Samaritan. And Jesus broke all the rules. One of my mentors used to say, God loves people more than he loves rules. Hello, that's right. Somebody got it in this room. God loves people more than he loves the rules. No one is left out. No one is left out. Then we get to the next part of the story. Oh, it's about to get good. If that wasn't good enough, it's about to get really good. Jesus said to her, go get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, Um, I don't have a husband. You're right to say, I don't, you don't have a husband. Jesus answered, you've had five husbands. And the man you are with now isn't your husband. You've spoken the truth. The woman said, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you and your people say that this is necessary to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you and your people will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and your people worship what you don't know. Ooh, but here we go. But we worship what we know, 
because salvation is from the Jews. But the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. The Father looks for those who worship him this way. God is spirit, and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who, will call, who called the Christ. When he comes, he will teach everything to us. Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. Here's the next part I want you to know is that Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you. He knows all about you. All the things that maybe your spouse doesn't know. All the things that maybe your mama and your daddy didn't know, but mama's intuition might come a close second. But what you need to know is that Jesus knows you. He ain't playing. He created you. Us mamas just think we had something to do with that, but the truth is God created you. He knows you. I want you to understand that. You can't hide anything from God. Not only can you not hide yourself, you can't hide anything from God. And you should not feel like you have to. Here's the part I want you to understand. You should never feel like you have to hide who you are, what you are, sin, no sin, whatever. You should never feel like you have to hide that from God. And even if you try, guess what? He knows you. He stops every day at the well to have conversation with you and offers living water to you. What are some of the wells for you that feel safe? What are some of those places that you find God? What are those places that you go to and you think, they won't be there? And then God shows up and says, sigh. Hello. In the hardest places in our lives, that's those conversations that God begins begins to make possible. The conversations where we sit back and we go, you know what? I got nothing else to say. And Jesus, you just called me out. You're right. I've been married five times and the person I'm with now isn't my husband. I've brought shame. Besides I'm a woman, besides the fact that I'm a Samaritan, I've brought shame to the people around me so they don't want to see me. They don't want to know me. They don't want to understand me. But Jesus did. Jesus does. Some of you sit here today and you go, yeah, I don't know that I always get that. I don't know what that means. Just like that Samaritan woman. She had no concept of what was about to happen in her life. And in an instant, it was all different. God opened up the possibilities that she never dreamed and made it possible to have a conversation and to say, hey, I just want to get out of the way, Carla. I know who you are. Let's go on with this conversation. 
And here's the cool part. He's already offered her living water. He didn't care. He didn't care who she was. He didn't care about her past. All he cared about is right now. By this point, the Samaritan woman has left and she has gone back to her people and told them of her experience with Jesus. So then we're going to get to this last part. Ooh, this is good. Many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word when she testified. We all got a testimony, amen? He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the Savior of the world. So here's just what i got to say, just a side note. The first evangelist was probably a woman. Y'all did not shout loud enough for that. The first evangelist was probably a woman. The first evangelist was probably a woman. And she didn't just hold in what Jesus had done for her. She did something with it. God will always use your efforts. Lives are changed by your story. You know what I love about worship and what I love about Crosswalk Worship is every single person that leads worship or speaks or says something, our staff, whoever they are, they have a story. And sometimes one of their stories relates to you more than someone else's. That's what I love about masses. Because you're going to find someone in fellowship with one another that relates to your story. But you're also going to find someone that needs your story. God used a Samaritan's woman's praise to change other people's lives. All of this is how your story is created. Your pain, your hurt, your triumph. What did that guy used to say when I was a little girl in the agony of defeat? I had no idea when I was a kid what that would mean to my life when I got older. You remember that? And the guy would be on the skis and all of a sudden he would just splat. And they would call it the agony of defeat. Man, I feel like that has been my life a lot. I'm skiing and I am getting going and this is going well and all of a sudden splat. And my backside doesn't have far to go and it still feels like a splat. Amen. The agony of defeat. The strongholds that have scared you to death. The religious people that have said to you, you don't belong. 
When God gives you living water, you will never thirst again. It doesn't mean it gets easy. But it means it is worth it because he will meet you at the well again and again. Here's what I love. God will use the one to bring together the many and you are the one. Did you get that? God will use the one to bring the many and you are the one. It's a domino effect. Jesus broke the rules to reach you. Sometimes you have to break the rules to push the boundaries to reach people. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but one of my favorite was Harriet Tubman. Not only did she break the rules, but she put her life on the line. Women's rights to vote. Women paid a high price to do what we decide we want or want not to do. Our pastor, my boss, is fighting a fight right now and making a stand for what he believes in for the United Methodist Church. Yeah. Sometimes you push the boundaries, but it's because why God loves people more than he loves rules. Sometimes we have to stop and we have to realize that we got to push through those boundaries and it's real easy for other people to do that, right? But you're the one. And every moment, every day, you don't know what situation you're going to be in that God's going to use you as the one to make a difference in someone else's life. What does that mean for you? Because I don't know about you as we get ready to close. I'm that Samaritan woman. I know all of my past. I know, and some of it, I carry my shame and my fear and my hurt. Amen. I carry my victories. And then sometimes when I carry my victories, I can get a little ahead of myself. And I can think I am all that. But I am nothing without the man who met me at the well. I am nothing without the man that offered me living water. How will you be the one? Because we can sit back and know that everything's against us, but we can know that if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Because here's what I'm going to hold on to. I'm going to hold on to the fact that when he said, listen, I know who you are, but I'm going to give you Jan living water anyway. Because regardless of what the world says about me, here is what my God says about me. Here's what my God says about those I don't even 
baby like? Be the one. Be the one. Father, I thank you. That when I don't feel I don't hear and I don't see, God, what I feel like that's supposed to be. God, I can really live into what I know. And that is you are the living water. Every day. Every day you meet each of us there. You love each of us right where we are. God, you have no favorites. God, what do I do? What is that next step that I take? I can't just hold on to the living water myself, God. It's also up to me to be the one to share that with someone else. Father, help. Help us to be the one. Help us to be the one. In your precious and your holy name.